Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Ms. Hutchinson, did Rudy Giuliani ever suggest that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? He did. Ms. Hutchinson, did White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows ever indicate that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? Mr. Meadows did seek that pardon. Yes, ma'am. Hello, America. The hacks have assembled. We are famous, world famous for being right on top of the story in, in real time or getting out the beer keg and taking a few days to think it through. So we have had electrifying hearings. You heard a little bit of it. As we open the show, I'm joined with the great David Axelrod and the immensely talented Robert Z. Gibbs here to chew over the politics of this in a special short, to-the-point analysis edition of Hex on Tap before we all go off to the 4th of July weekend. So we know what happened. We know it was huge. The question is, politically, short-term, long-term, what does it mean? Will it change the needle or next week we're beyond to the cost of asparagus? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, let us uh, uh, acknowledge that it takes guts to do what uh, uh, what what Cassidy did, uh, and uh, and she's getting exactly what she probably expected, which is you know a whole bunch of arrows from every direction, arrows from every direction, uh, some of which is around this issue of did. Did Trump or did he not lunge for the driver of his limo, which really isn't the central point. The central point is, did he want to go down to the Capitol and was he pissed and was he ordering them to take him? No one's denying that. I personally found it hard to imagine that guy lunging at anything other than a Big Mac. That tank-like thing he drives, it's not, you have to be a gymnast to get, well, it depends where he was. But you're right. The real point is. Unless they were in the SUV. That's true. In a smaller package, the uh, now everybody's going to be dropping beast all the time. I'm so old; we used to call it steamship. <laughs> so I've never seen the damn beast. But who cares? The bottom line is he wanted to pull the mags, the metal detectors. He was delighted that he had an armed mob marching on the Capitol. We now know his state of mind. Uh, you know what he wanted. I think the other narrative that's big is he lost control a lot. It turns out he had a big temper, shocker, and he lo- and that just undercuts his image of a calm, cold captain of industry. Instead, he's a petulant toddler. Uh, but to the politics. We should apologize for being late. I mean, I think all three of us were helping the valet clean the ketchup off the wall. Uh, that's it's that's what true. Has, uh, I'll has tell you delayed. something. I, you know, since so you, you're making a joke and we do that, but. That was a really that was a really poignant that was a really poignant thing. I, I that actually touched me. The idea that the ketchup this, or that the, 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 the uh, that the presidential. Well, did you see that cartoon by the way about the guy uh, Trump? It was just him uh, breaking China. You know, he's always <laughs> wanted to break China, and that was what he was doing. But uh, but no, yeah. but the image of this young woman who you know. And we've right. all worked Steely, around cool. these, yeah. yeah. But but no, but the idealism that brings people to places yeah, like the, the White, White House, House, to Washington, and there she is, 
stoop leaning over to help the valet clean ketchup off the wall to me was incredibly symbolic right it was like trying to move the she 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 was uh, trying to remove the stain from the wall in Literally, the white house and now she she was testifying to try and remove the stain from the country. I, I was really I was really moved by that. It got me too. I was thinking of the history of it. There's a building where somebody handed Roosevelt a letter from Albert Einstein saying the Nazis are developing a new kind of bomb, uh, which could be the end of Western civilization. I mean, the, at times a thousand, the immense history there. And yeah. young Plus, kids I think it's going something- to serve that are now, they're sponge holders. And the whole Music Man thing, Oh, the president's gone bananas again. Bring in, get the music man. The guy would come in with the boombox and play memory from cats to calm him down. But I think a lot of this stuff, even though it sounds small, penetrates. The question is, will it have anything to do with the midterms? Now, I have Democratic friends who are all excited because there's a generic poll uh, out in the media that showed a swing toward the Dems. I, I still think it's groceries and gas. But in the longer term, I think a lot has happened this week, and we can talk about that too. But what do you guys think? Yeah, well, you should talk. I mean, I to, to your point, Murphy, I think our listeners should understand huge movement in polls based on one hearing and having it affect a, a congressional election in five months is just not how a campaign works, right? The question it's is, the question, you guys, is whether the huge movement has anything to do with the hearings at all and That's whether the, point, the huge yeah. movement Choice. was produced by, uh, by the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court decision right. on yeah. Roe versus Wade, which may – well be the case. But uh, listen, here in Illinois, at the very moment that she was testifying, people were voting. And uh, a guy named Darren Bailey, who's a state senator from downstate, helped by both conservative Republicans and Democrats, uh, crushed a a more moderate candidate who the governor feared in the gubernatorial primary. Uh, The Democrat governor, J.B. Pritzker, feared uh, the more moderate candidate and help, uh, you know, raise the conservative banner uh, of this guy, Bailey. He won and he got he had Trump's endorsement, got 57 percent of the vote in a multi-candidate primary. Downstate, Mary Miller, who is one of the really looniest members of the uh, Freedom Caucus, who once had a kind word to say about Hitler, uh, uh, defeated uh, uh, a veteran, moderate, center, center-right center uh, Republican congressman. They were thrown together by Rodney Davis. Right. Rodney Davis. So, you know, Trump, it, we, I keep thinking about this. If you believe him, and many Republicans do, that the election was stolen, then you can see where some percentage of them believe that, well, what they were doing on the 6th was an act of patriotism. He was trying to save the country. He was, you know, I mean, all of that. I mean, I, you know, how, obviously, you know how I feel about it. I know how you guys feel about it. But, you know, this, this, this thing runs deep. And I don't think it's easily exorcised. It it does. But I should say, too, that the, the, Absolutely what happened in Illinois was a result of, and, and and make no mistake, Trump was there over the weekend pressing his case. In Colorado, you had very different election results. On the Republican side, all of the election deniers lost, including the county clerk that had seized the machines. Uh, you know, she, <laughs> great story, right? She, she seized the machines. She did all this stuff, election denying for 2020. She finishes third in the primary for secretary of state, third, runs out and says, of course, 
the whole thing was stolen. Right. That's fraud right. happened. Fraud happened right <laughs> there. So I, I do think there's, you know, I, I to your point, it, it underscores to your point, David, that it's going to be hard to get it out of the body politic. I also think, too, and look, we know this more than, than anything, elections, particularly in 2024, but all elections are about the future. And I think Republicans are going to grow increasingly weary of a madman who's genuinely unstable, that people now know how unstable he is because they can understand somebody breaking a dish against the wall. Because they've then, listened to this podcast. We've explained well, and, but then, <laughs> but But elections are about the future, and they don't want a candidate who's a megalomaniac talking all about the past, particularly when they've got plenty of candidates that can talk about the future well, and not be different Let me different get into this. Trump. I brought my jaws of life here to pry it open. All right. Well, flap your jaws for a while. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Everybody sit back in your As recliner. It's going to be a first time he's asked for permission. It, I'm well, going to grab both, a beer. I'll be right back. you half right in my view about this. <laughs> Axe is right that in the grassroots, they're still boiling. Sure rage thing that trump can amplify and you're right about colorado and georgia and other places where it hasn't worked so it's more complicated i think than one thing i want to make one point of hack privilege about illinois i am a dirty rotten scoundrel political consultant and i love good election chicanery like all of us we've we've been in that world for years but this thing about interfering in the other primary now uh and illinois is very special case you know i don't live there i voted there for years but it I couldn't resist that hackneyed joke. Bottom line is, Pritzker spent $35 million, and there were other rich do. guys helping different people. Everybody had a rich guy spending millions and millions and millions. But, so he helps this guy who wants to succeed and join Kentucky, basically. And the problem with that is it rigs the election in a way, because now there's no serious opposition to him. He's going to win. No, Only the cranks are going to vote for this guy. It kind of denies the electorate or any real choice. So it's to a perverse level. And it's not like it's a pure Democrat thing. I think there are plenty of ours who would pull it off if they had his kind of money. So I think there is a little special sauce in the Illinois deal where that level of and amplification it, was It didn't know, work. It didn't work. It didn't work in Nevada right. uh, where uh, Democrats hoped to nominate a, 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 a far-right candidate for the U.S. Senate, and, and he did not despite— Didn't uh, work Didn't work Tuesday in Colorado. Same that, thing. That's what I meant, Colorado. I'm sorry. No, but my point I, is it's a dangerous toy in, in Pennsylvania. It was grotesque what Pritzker did. Uh, so I want to throw a flag on that. And this yeah, finally, no, no. I told you this last time we talked about this, uh, the, the Groucho Marx line about Doris Day. I knew her before she was a virgin. Murphy, <laughs> Murphy, who is who are you? I've known you for 30 years. This, this I, you know. Listen, I do think there's danger. There He's is put danger. His white hat on it. There, yeah. there, is, there is danger in this. There is danger in this. And uh, there's no doubt about it. But the fact is, uh, if those guys weren't uh, who the base of the Republican Party is right now, they wouldn't be the nominees. It only yeah, worked because I, there was a, a willing audience. I just told guys or women named governor to it a minimum standard where, hey, I'm in a Democratic state. I'm the incumbent. I have unlimited money. I can probably win. But let me rig the election so there's no choice in the general by getting Bozo the clown through the primary with $35 million. And we'll get the nuts to vote for him. Let's fertilize the nuts. I think it's irresponsible. 57% of the Republican electorate in Illinois yeah, I get voted it. for I the get guy. It. I get it. But a $35 that's, that's a lot million. Of, that's dollar. a lot of nuts, brother. 
thirty-five million dollar donation to a guy with a, a aluminum foil hat and no money of his own, no significant money. You know, here's the thing: you got it's get a com- warping deal. You, this is the thing that this is the discomforting thing for you, and I think for the country, really, the fact that a guy, all Pritzker did was run ads saying what the guy was saying about himself. Yeah, no, no. I All he it. did was amplify his positions, and he got fifty-seven yeah, percent of the Republican X, vote. I get all like that, mom and dad but it's fighting. not like in no, the old days. Fighting. What we're, we do, this is—it's like is, John Stewart said once. We he and I were arguing about something in front of an audience, and Stewart said, and everybody was ga- uh, kind of, and Stewart said, "No, this is how Jews make love." So, uh, <laughs> all right, no, all I'm, right. Well, there's a visual we didn't need, Bubby. <laughs> let me let me get it. Let me get a retort, and then we'll move on to the important thing, which is what does this mean of the the future of Donald J. Trump 2.0? I I get that 57 percent voted for the guy in the old days in the during a Democratic primary. We might bring up an issue on the Republican side, particularly if we were the incumbent, to give some fuel in the press. You know, pick some fight. Uh, with the Dem to help elevate somebody. But $35 million bucks <clears throat> to supercharge a kook so the kook virus spreads among other kooks uh, to rig your election so nobody has a ch- I think it's a grotesque exaggeration of something that's been around for a long time. That's my point. Shame on Pritzker. So let's steer back to let's steer back to sort of well, what, do, what do we think the next few months look like politically for somebody like Donald Trump? What, is, what, is, what well, does this all mean? that's the question. It, I, mean, I think and I've said all week or two weeks, he got his frame bent is the analogy I use. The car will never drive the same. I think that really happened this week. Yeah. Axe is right. In grassroots world, there's still an uneven, not 100% homogenous, but there's Trump strength. But ahead of that, because, you know, we always talk about the last war. In the next war, I think Trump has been hobbled. And we won't know till the voting starts. But the proof is people are coming out of places into the sunshine to start talking about running against them or start actively doing it. And I can tell you just in the in the vanguard of the GOP, which has been wrong before, it is ricocheting around. It's up 300 percent and it's been on the rise for six months. So well, there's a, and, it's and not the same a, Trump today. It was a month ago. And you got a lot of people that are, you know, I mean, obviously, Ron DeSantis has been running for quite some time. Long article in the Post today about Glenn Youngkin flying to New York to meet with donors uh, oh, he's I mean, going to run for president. I mean, he's been he's governor running for, for president. They're all going to run, and that's a tell. But exactly, that's the tell of of the ultimate strength. I mean, the challenge I think for all of these competitors is, to your point, Axe, if if Donald Trump maintains his kind of thirty to thirty five percent in a world he, he, in which he, it's right. winner take all. Yeah, he um, wants them all in. The yeah. more, the merrier. As far as Trump's exactly. concerned, if he really wants to be the nominee of the Republican Party. Uh, then, you know, having f- uh, 15 opponents again is uh, just dandy for him. Yeah, man. Yeah, but I, I, here's where I think you guys are wrong on this, and we're seeing, we're guessing. Well, if your he world. starts to crumble, he'll crumble faster. I don't think the 435 will hold. Tr- Trump is either the alpha or the beta, and if Trump's the beta, he's dead. And he's heading toward Betaville, I think. Well, well, Alpha is beta than beta, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, there we go. I'm going to yeah. give the this audience is the a kind of high quality for the humor, uh, of laughter that line generates. Yeah. High quality Trinkets. humor you get on Hacks on Hacks Please on tip Pat. your waitresses. We'll be here all week. Yeah, no, I uh, no, I think there's a I, I there's no doubt to me. I mean, I'll use an Axelrod phrase here. I, I think there was a hit to the main engine. Uh, over the course of the last 10 days. I think this is something that people can 
genuinely identify with. We talked about the dish breaking. People may not understand mags and beasts. They understand dish breaking. They understand the volatility. But I think the way they have laid these out, and I said this the other day, these are not congressional hearings. They're presentations. They're opening arguments right. in a trial. They have, they have and, and to underscore this, Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans, including I'm sure Donald Trump, made an enormously poor strategic decision to allow Democrats and, and Kinzinger and, and Cheney to do this in an unfettered way. That hearing would have been far different if it had been five minutes of questions followed back and forth Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they left the playing field and now you've got a, just a recitation that has really, I think, damaged Trump. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the fact is that Pelosi, she wouldn't allow Jim Jordan, for example, on the committee. We now know why, because he was part of a deal, and it would have been really, but said, you know, put other people on there. McCarthy decided it would be easier to call this a partisan exercise if they weren't, and that's what he's doing. Murphy, how effective is that? How's that playing? Because that's the sort of Fox, it's a Fox News line. In the internal Republican world, it's all, you know, inside the tribe. We're, we're not even going to dignify them with a response. And, you know, you just do this fortress mentality and slowly the fortress garrison starts to slowly starve to death. You don't if you're not on the field, you're not part of the game it was a huge bungle and everything. But I I want to amplify one thing you guys said about Trump. Some of the stuff here. Now, the whole legal thing has now been supercharged, and that's a whole yeah. other question, you know, right. which has been beaten to death on TV. But he's he's vulnerable. But. And I said this beginning, I just want to repeat it because I think it's really key. Trump's image is tough, cool, in charge, never see him sweat, blah, blah, blah. That's the perception. Well, that's shattered now. He's now the guy throwing sandwiches. Maybe he's the guy lunging for the wheel. Maybe he's not. He's out of control of his emotions. He is weak. This is all kryptonite to Trump among Trump's own troops. So we'll see how it amplifies. The other problem is, and this is what you will hear from Republican cynics, is where's good Trump? Where are you talking about gas and groceries every day? Instead, we have baby whiner Trump about this crazy, you know, lost the election, was ripped off. They're out to get me stuff. That that Trump is a loser, won't win. And that is that's catching on. That's fundamentally what they're dying for. And that's, fun, you know, Mitch McConnell understood months ago that only Republicans could screw up re the Republican red wave, right? First, it was Rick yes, Scott with yes, his own yes. agenda, yes. you know, a bunch of other candidates. And then, you know, Trump literally relitigating again the, the 2020 election. I mean, that guy's lost more races in Georgia than, than anybody in the history of mankind because you he know, keeps just a, trying a to litigate You know, just a footnote to that, Robert, would any of us for the million-dollar sweepstakes uh, 18 months ago said, if Trump hits an iceberg, I'll tell you, it's going to be in the Georgia Republican primary universe. None yeah. of us. We would have said, you know, maybe there's a New Hampshire upset someday or one of the more New Englandy pro-choice states or never in the core, you know, uh, diamond edged Georgia Republican primary electorate would we expect Trump to start imploding. And that is also a tell. If you can fail in Georgia Republican politics, you can collapse across the party. Yeah. Uh, let's just note that uh, nobody who was running in those primaries, not Kemp, not Raffensperger, nobody took Trump on in that primary. Nobody wanted to engage, engage with Trump, which tells you 
you know, which tells you something. But they beat them in the power politics of it. That's not small. Well, I have a feeling that in 2024, somebody's going to take him on. I think Liz Cheney is going to be a former congresswoman candidate for the White House. We saw her at the Reagan Library last night. I think she's going to take take Trump head on every single day. Yeah, that's her mission. We should hear that slug for a minute. That was a meaningful speech. The reality that we face today as Republicans, as we think about the choice in front of us, we have to choose because Republicans cannot both be loyal to Donald Trump and loyal to the Constitution. At this moment... There's no doubt Liz Cheney's on a mission. And uh, and yes, she may be a candidate, but there won't be any dearth of candidates. I mean, one thing I think is pretty clear. Donald Trump's not going to be out there alone uh, in this uh, in this campaign. Here's my question. Uh, just going back to something Murphy said before, if you are there is there is growing evidence that he was, you know, deeply, deeply involved in uh in in uh, in so many different ways. I mean, his legal vulnerability went up dramatically uh, with this testimony. Um, you're Merrick Garland, and you're sitting there. Uh, what do you do? What do you do? Because it is, you know, obviously precedent-shattering, as everything Trump did was precedent-shattering, to indict a sitting or a former president. And it's also convulsive. I mean, we know that it will be convulsive for the country. Like, wow, how do you make that decision? I know there are a lot of people listening who will say, and you guys may, you just got to do it to protect the rule of law. And maybe that's the answer. But I think it's really a, it's, it, I can only imagine how hard a question that's. That oh, it's a be. very hard question. And there's a whole, kind of attitude. You can't indict presidents, blah, blah, blah. Once in a while, I think you just have to get stupid, not overthink and do your job. And that means I do it all the time. Me. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, but not. You guys not tell me that every week. Comfortable wallowing. <laughs> you tell me that every be. week. So, so two things. Do your I think job, it, Merritt. You got to do it. Go yeah. after them. So two Make things. That, two things I think are important here. I think one, what we don't know is whether or not Merrick Garland thinks he and he alone can make this decision. Right. There are certainly some out there who have said simply because he's Joe Biden's attorney general. He needs to appoint a special counsel to make this decision. I I can only say this. I hope if that's what he actually believes, he gets to nominating that person ASAP. I'm not sure that solves anything in this. Um, But if Merrick Garland doesn't think he's the one that makes this decision, let's not wait six more months and then make that decision. Secondly, I don't know that the DOJ, I mean, we've seen a lot of reporting even even, um, this morning, DOJ didn't have access to any Cassidy Hutchinson interviews, none of the videotapes, none of the transcripts. So I, I don't know that the DOJ, I think there's probably some frustration over there that the committee has decided, rightly, I think, they're going to unwind what they're going to do. They're going to present their case because they feel it's important because the Capitol was ransacked. I don't know that DOJ has access to everything they think they need, but I think there's no doubt. And if you read liberal commentary and conservative legal commentary, undoubtedly the stakes went up for Donald Trump in his criminal liability. If I was Mark Meadows' lawyer, I'd call over and readjust my rate upward because one of the things that this hearing with Cassidy Hutchinson did it set up in a big way a couple of things. One, 
that Mark Meadows is going to, we're going to see call into a meeting uh, over at the Willard, the war room, so to speak, uh, literally, it appears, um, you know, and, and that's going to set up some real centrality of what the White House was planning. Uh, and secondly, and I think this was done, man, you, you know, there were seven or eight huge storylines out of this hearing. Don't forget the text that they put up at the end that Liz Cheney walks through with witness tampering. Uh, and we know now Punchbowl reported one of those texts that she read was sent directly to Cassidy Hutchinson. So witness tampering is happening as we speak. It was not subtle what what Liz Cheney did. It happened at the last right. sort of two minutes of the hearing, but it was important. Pat Cipollone, White House counsel, much cited uh, in the last couple of days. He got the old federal Hallmark card and he subpoenaed it in. Come does on, man. Show no, enough drum roll. What do you got? Well, my point is, th- this is the next big thing. Oh, what well, does he do? What does he say? I thought you were going to say I think you he had might a squawk. I think he might, might, I think he might roll along with the old sharp-edged uh, uh, motivator behind him. And if he talks, I think it's going to be a lesser but still impressive version of what we heard from her. Okay. And what was brilliant about it, too, is the hearing set up, again, real pressure on Mark Meadows and, Paul, and Pat Cipollone. Right. If they disagree with what they heard yeah, from Cassidy swear Hutchinson, and say it. Right. great, walk over, put your hand on the Bible and tell us what you know. The one thing I think it's important to understand is, you know, and this is true for the Secret Service, they're not going to be able to just walk in and say, nope, that didn't happen. Thanks. This was good. Call my lawyer. They're going to be in there for six, eight, ten hours answering a lot of different questions. The committee is going to want to know a lot about this. And I think there's that's a big turn that's going to happen. I think there's a lot of people that are trying to get right by what history is going to tell from this episode. That's what is causing people to look in the mirror and say, I know something and I need to go talk to the committee. All right, let's get back to politics for a second. Uh, we can, uh, <laughs> he says witheringly. Uh, no, no, I, I love court TV. Well, the court TV impacts the politics. All right, well, let's get back to the politics. Uh, and I want to actually switch subjects because uh, a couple of things happened today since we're here that we should talk about. The president had his first press conference in a very long time over there at NATO. And he had a lot to crow about relative to NATO because he's done a good job of pulling the alliance together. They now have uh, uh, Finland and, and Sweden in uh, the alliance, uh, expanded the alliance and all of that. Well, yeah, he had to pay off the Turks with fighter planes, but yes. Well, but but the, the subtext win. of all of it was he was a guy who was trying to show command which is really the thing that he most needs to do. It's just command on stuff that is not what people are talking about at their kitchen table. Right. And right. so uh, then came the questions about gas prices. Yeah, we should do that gas tax holiday. I don't know that many people believe in that. I don't think it's going to happen. And then he made yeah. news by saying he would support a carve out for a guaranteeing privacy uh, including abortion rights uh, as part of the Constitution because, and I, it's clear he wants to expand the discussion to contraception, to gay rights, and, and so on. You should on. explain carve-out, too. A carve-out what, means what, that people will vote not to set aside the filibuster in the Senate, right. but just so for a specific right. issue. They would agree to suspend the filibuster, uh, so it's kind of like a soft core doing away with the filibuster for the moment. Uh, but uh, and so that was news. He's an institutionalist and so on. My question to you guys is, I mean, I think that will be well received. The question is, will it happen? And if it does, I mean, if it happens and they actually 
pass this through the Congress, uh, then you have a real, then you have wind in your sails uh, around this for the fall. If it doesn't happen, is it just one more thing like voting rights and everything else where it seems like he rolled out the cannon, lit the fuse, and a flag came out that said pop? Well, the ba- there's good news and bad news. The bad news is I don't think this happens. I don't think there's any real scenario in which this happens over the course of the next five months. The good news for them is, though, they finally have some rallying cry such that when they went out and talked about the gravity of what happened at the Supreme Court and people all over America have been waiting for this White House to meet the moment of what the Supreme Court did, they can actually connect something with the somewhat hollow saying, hey, what we need you to do in November is go vote. Well, now we know what we need to go vote for. Now there's a goal. Now we need 52 Democratic U.S. senators. We need Georgia to win. We need Warnock to win. And that poll is is way out of whack with having him up 10 points. We need Fetterman to win. We need Wisconsin. We need Nevada. I think at least it's a rallying cry that people can get behind in a more tangible way than sitting in front of an anchor saying, we hope people go vote. X is right. Biden's history since he was elected is, I'm going to be FDR. No, you're not. I'm going to do this. No, you're not. I mean, just being slapped down, some of it by his own lefties, makes him look very weak. He's now got the weakness thing. But they're in a corner. There are two outcomes. Outcome one, they win. Great. That's easy. We know what happens. Good for Biden politically. Outcome two, they lose. They're going to get killed. So have the fight, but commit to it. Don't just do a little stand next to the Finnish minister of defense and say, yeah, we ought to. I mean, I'm, I'm with Gibbs. Yeah. If, if you're if you're going to start the fight, wage the fight big and get credit. The, yeah. You know, ask Grab for a million people run. to go out and organize and uh, register new voters. This thing, make it a big ass, huge fight. I could tell you he tried to do that at the press conference and he kept repeating, you know, go out and vote, vote, vote. And that's the thing that I think. Uh, first of all, he's not he's not great at that, you know. But the second thing is, uh, I do wonder whether at some point people, uh, you have to be careful not to look like you are trying to uh, exploit the issue for electoral purposes rather than actually solve the problem. And that's what people suspect about Washington, you know. Yeah, fair enough, and that's good generic uh, advice, but. He's in a. He's surrounded. He's chesty puller. You know, the Korean War Marine general was suddenly surrounded by a zillion red Chinese troops and everybody, you know, they're way outnumbered. And everybody said, what do we do now, General Buller? We celebrate. We have the bastards. They can't get away from us now. So if I were Biden, I'd put him on the Roe v. Raid, give him Hell Harry tour. I would just go all in, go yeah. red hot, bad yeah. every day, because if you lose, you're dead anyway. And yeah. we talked about this, too. I think yeah. we have to... You, you know, this also gives them, I think, an, a, an, an opening to start connecting some of these things. By the time this thing drops, uh, the Supreme Court will have eviscerated the EPA's uh, doing anything around climate change and power plants, right? Um, we will have had a, a, a Supreme Court decision on- they, they, they ruled 6-3 to strike down the power plant provision. Right. So, you know, if you're worried about the environment, if you're worried about, you know, uh, too many guns in schools and you're worried about choice, there's a group that's on the wrong side of every one of those issues. They're too extreme for you. Right. Uh, And I think that's right. That narrative has to be connected along with just this one issue. For Democrats who think, boy, people are going to look at the Supreme Court and everything's going to change off of one decision. Again, not how campaigns work. That has to be part and parcel of this broader narrative. Yeah. But I do think that that 
I, I think today at least gives them this, the beginnings of both a policy and a political strategy to pursue so that he's not just up there catching arrows on gas prices and inflation, which he'll continue to do. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Give him a big fight. Harness the energy. All right. Well, this is a special short broadcast. I think we've covered the waterfront here. Uh, I want to add one thing I forgot in the Senate thing, just a quick passing note on the primaries. We were focused on the Trump narrative. Mike Lee uh, from Rock coming, yeah. Red, Utah, the senator, had primary opposition and they held him down. Thirty-eight percent of the Republican primary voted for somebody else, not Trumpy stuff. Non Mike Lee. It's right. an interesting race because Evan McMullen, my pal's running as an independent. There's no Democrat, and only four points behind. Yeah, so uh, Utah's getting real interesting. We have to do a deep dive, but that primary uh, this week was very bad news for Mike Lee. Yeah, I think there was a congressional race too that where the the kind of non Lee pro Romney. A faction won there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something brewing in Utah. More to, more, more to come. More to come. All right, guys. It's brewing and it's non-alcoholic, though. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No caffeine, no nothing, no social dancing, but it's brewing. <laughs> right. It's brewing. We're footloose and fancy free. All right. All right. Uh, well, thank uh, you, Hacks, <laughs> for tuning in. We're taking next week off for the 4th of July. Um, but we will we'll be back with you after that. Don't forget the Hacks on Tap newsletter, hacksontap.bulletin.com, and we we will be answering your mailbag questions next time. So let's uh, let's send us some at hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap yeah. at gmail.com. All right, well, we can turn off the Hacks bat light. We can sneak out of our cave. The right. truth has been broadcasted, and uh, on we go. It'll only Have get a good more force, interesting. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, happy yeah. fourth, everybody. See you, Batman. See you, Robin. Who's Robin? <laughs> you. Murphy. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm Commissioner Gordon. Are you kidding? You, you're in the tights, you two clowns. I'm, I'm making the rules I think, here. I think you're the Joker, brother. Yeah, I'm the Green Hornet. <laughs> All right, see you later. Chrysler Imperial. All right, see you. <laughs>